Gather round. This is the Ticket Water Cooler, brought to you by Culligan of Lincoln. You need to be more like a doll. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Bakoven and Nathan Brennan. Monday to all the ticket listeners out there. This is the Ticket Water Cooler. We're back here for another week of sports talk as we uh, get you through to the football season. That's all we're really doing here is just waiting for the football season to approach. Of course, we're getting close. Baseball's, uh, you know, hitting all star break here pretty soon, and those those are the dead days of summer. But at least we still Boom. have Big Ten Media Days to look forward to, which is always exciting for me. So later we'll uh, preview Penn State. Uh, as they move on. A lot of change out there at Penn State, actually. Uh, And then we will also uh, wrap things up with box history lesson as we take a look back into uh, the the beginning of Husker football. Actually, the Bug Eaters uh, today. We'll look a little (laughs) bit at a couple teams that play as known as the Bug Eaters. But we'll start uh, with uh, some good news. Over the weekend, Nebraska was able to land an edge rusher. This is their new position that they just added, and they didn't take too much time uh, to, to get there. First of all, we talked a little bit about p- the position change, kind of, you know, it, it was always kind of like, well, is this guy can play outside linebacker or defensive end, and kind of depends on the defense, and then you have that transition going into the pros. Do you like Nebraska just embracing modern football, which is edge, an edge rusher, a guy that can uh, drop back uh, or rush the quarterback, just, you know, be multi-purposeful, uh, and it's it's like every year when you look at the top prospects, people are reaching on quarterbacks and, and positioning themselves to get quarterbacks, and edge rusher is kind of that other position because uh, as the quarterback in the passing game has taken over the NFL and the game of football, you need something to combat that, and so I kind of like Nebraska just embracing uh, the new terminology, and so when you when the, when you say, well, what position this guy play at, at Nebraska at, at the next level, you're going to hear, okay, th- you know, we need to move him around, and, and he needs to be able to do all these things. Um, now, it's not going to necessarily work for every player, right? There's going to be some bigger edge rushers that that you would have in the past that are going to play more of the traditional defensive end and not drop back as much. But I just like the I like I like the fact that they've gone out there and kind of embraced modern football and just included edge as opposed to rush end or defensive end or, you know, things that they've done in the past. And just in general, I, you got to look at his size, Ashley Williams, 6'4", 215. I just think that's kind of Nebraska's bread and butter, right? I mean, you get athletes, get guys that need to be on the field. Like, what, we, we don't have to make it position by position. You're not recruiting like your Alabama. You're not recruiting like your Texas A&M. Get athletes on the field. See what happens. I mean, especially in the Big Ten, just get them on the field. And, Bach, this is kind of where I wanted to steer this conversation and, and get some of your thoughts. This just proves to me, I mean, Nebraska now for the class of 2023 sitting at the 29th overall ranking, composite ranking for, for recruiting, which I would say that's probably about Nebraska's range. Might move up a few spots. It's kind of that 20, 25 is, is kind of where you want to sit if you're in Nebraska. It's kind of your your ceiling, your peak. I wouldn't say that, but it's a it's I feel like in modern considering the year. Yeah, I would yeah. say modern recruiting. If you're getting the top 20 class at Nebraska, that's a really good class. Like that that is right. a that is a really really good class. So I think around 20 is probably what you're shooting for. They're probably on pace for something like that. What this shows me is as much as we want to 
hate on Scott Frost and, and say that he hasn't reached expectations, which no, on the field he hasn't record-wise, but recruits still believe in him. These kids, I mean, he can still go into a kid's house, and, and whether it's Mickey Joseph, Mark Whipple, Scott Frost, this coaching staff is proving they can still get guys in the building and they can still get guys to agree to play at the University of Nebraska. And it's the these aren't just slouch recruits. These aren't bottom feeder three stars. These are legitimate recruits. Omarion Miller is top 100 nationally. Ashley Williams is a three star, depending on what publication you look at. He's a four star. Six foot four, two fifteen. I mean, Nebraska's proving that despite the issues that they have on the field, what other three and nine football team is able to do this? For crying out loud, I mean, you are getting top-tier recruits, and I don't think they're done. We've talked to Brian Munson. There are other kids that are waiting at the door, ready to commit at Nebraska. Recruits that are big-time, serious recruits. And Scott Frost, for all of the hatred or whatever word you want to use towards him, he's got kids in the door. And we've been competitive against top-tier teams. I just think this just proves we need to give it some more time. And we need to stop being... So in the moment, when it comes to Scott Frost, and I know the frustration continues and everyone is is angry that they're a 3-9 football team, you're losing close. You're right there. You made some adjustments on the coaching staff. You brought transfers in. You're still getting top-tier recruits. Give it some time. It just I, it just blows my mind how quick we are to want to get rid of Scott Frost. Well, I, you're jumping a, a conversation quite a bit to getting, uh, getting rid of J- uh, Scott Frost. Uh, while I like the additions and I think that they're doing solid in recruiting, I think that there's they're doing great, especially in state too. Well, in state, I mean that, but that's part of the discussion, right? Is how many of these guys are recruiting to Scott Frost because they believe that Scott Frost is definitely the guy. Or how many of them are recruiting to Nebraska because that's where they wanted to play? Um, you know, I, I think there is still something to the brand that is Nebraska that's able, and I've said it for years, is uh. able to basically, depending on, you know, because you're talking about the ceilings and, and bottoms and all that for all these recruiting rankings, whether it's been Pelini or Callahan or Solage. Osborne even back in the day didn't always have the top classes, but he'd be like a top 15 or something like that. But, you know, past him is what I mean. You know, the Solage, the, the Callahan, the Polinis, the Frost, the Rileys, there's been enough guys that you go, okay, they Nebraska seems – I don't – you know, maybe it, it changes here and there, but the brand pretty much recruits itself to top 30. I don't know if I completely agree with that, Buck. I'll be entirely honest. I, I don't know if I agree with that. These kids are 17 years old. They, they All they know of Nebraska – is 2004 and on. And legacies are obviously different. If your parents have been involved in the football program, that's different. But these kids that are 16, 17 years old, they're not committing for the brand. I think that they have some type of faith in this coaching staff and Scott Frost. The brand, to an extent, does recruit itself, yes. But this isn't the early 2000s anymore. These kids didn't grow up on Nebraska being the best team in the country. They didn't. They grew up with Taylor Martinez was the best that they've seen Nebraska play. You're right. Which I'm not saying that's a bad season. I'm uh, I take nine and three, ten and two any day of the week. But that's all these kids know, and I I don't think that the brand is what's selling them now. Scott Frost is able to get these kids in the program, 
in the building, and I think there's something to be said for that. I, there is. I think it's I, again. I I don't. Di- I the thing. I mean, this could be going very poorly, right? I mean, I I think like people are pointing out the text line. There's just so much more to a recurring ranking these days than there was years ago. And part of it, like you said, is maybe the diminished brand to agree. So maybe you have to give a little bit more props to the staff, right? Um, but the other thing is. NIL, as somebody points out. Um, Mickey Joseph right. is, certainly needs to be thrown into this conversation. Absolutely. He's a lead recruiter on Ashley Absolutely. Williams on the other side of the ball. Um, so, I mean, there's just a lot that goes into it. But the, the bigger thing, too, is along with NIL is, yeah, maybe there's some high school deals here and there. The transfer portal, which we saw last year kind of take over. Right. Nobody was worried about what the high school recruiting class ranked. And for what it's worth, it didn't rank very highly, probably its lowest in years. Because the the focus was not on let's build this class for five years down the line. It's let's fix this thing, put a Band-Aids everywhere on the roster, and be competitive next year. There, right. So when you look at this class, you wonder you're going to have to look down the line and you can look at the recruiting rankings and stuff like that um, as far as the high school class. But you're going to have to wait until we don't know, maybe the beginning of next year because right. you know these transfer portal things can keep happening. I suppose there was a cutoff for when you can play immediately um, that they've put in place. So maybe you know March, uh, April of of this next season to really know what the recruiting class looks like because you got to look at the transfer portal and that's where you're going to get a lot of your play right away type of guys and the holes that really need to be filled. So it's hard to have that discussion. But as for the high school recruiting that they've done, um, I think it's solid. Uh, I think you know Malachi Coleman will certainly help. Um, and I think it's it's pretty darn good considering the situation they're in, which is when which is what I'm going at. Right, right. Um, but overall, uh, especially looking at twenty four seven, you mentioned Omarion Miller as a top one hundred kid. You'd like to have a few of those guys be in the mix with a few guys. Those guys, Malachi Coleman certainly could right. could enter the mix, and you know then you're there. So as far as top end guys, I kind of like that. Um, the the drop off though is pretty considerable once you get to the third guy on twenty four seven, which is Ashley Williams, the new commit. Uh, good to see him join the fold, but he's at number four hundred in you know national rank. So you're you're gonna want when you talk about ha- having high end three stars uh, compared to low end three stars. Um, Doesn't know, that have to be your brand though? I mean that that uh, Iowa has built decades of success on high end three stars, right? And, and I'm then not that's Big Ten football, and that's Nebraska. I'm just saying this is not like a class that's flooded with really high end three stars. It's kind of a, a mixture, you know, a hodgepodge of right. wherever they may land type of three stars. Which it, it's it's again, like you said, you we don't know recruiting. It seems like uh, the rankings. I, I did a study, you know, years ago, kind of figuring out what the hit rate on is on all these guys, and it's it's about the same. There's always like a 50% hit right. rate on the guys right. regardless. Maybe a little bit higher of a ceiling for the four stars and the five stars, but really, really once you get into the five-star category, we've seen a lot of four stars, you know, come and go over the years. Um, so it's about the same hit rate as a three-star, and, you know, we've had your Amir Abdullahs and our Nate Garys and three stars that just turn out right. and, and be great players, so there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't want to blow it out of proportion like Nebraska's had, like, Scott Frost, I believe, has had, like, the 18th ranked class. Um, Pelini's probably got up into that range. Bill Callahan, back was, when he was here, had a top five class. So it's not like this is but, uh, unprecedented but, class for Nebraska football. But I think that you're missing my point, is the common denominator with Bill Callahan, Bo Pelini, even early Mike Riley, they were winning. You can recruit a kid and say, look, we have results on the field. You are our missing piece to get over the hump. We're an 8-9 win football team. Nebraska hasn't made a bowl game since Scott Frost has been here. 
They were 3-9 and nine last season, and recruiting hasn't taken a dip at all. That That's my point, is if you look at the results on the field, you would assume off the field there's going to be some type of dip in production recruiting, some type of dip maybe in the transfer portal, but there hasn't been. And sure, I'll give you NIL is a big part of that, and I'll give you Mickey Joseph's probably a big part of that too. But guess what? Mickey Joseph isn't going into a kid's home and saying, hey, come here because of me. Our head coach can't coach. We're not going to win football games. No. You're selling that the this is going to be a winning team. The head coach has things figured out. You are selling everything that comes with Nebraska, not just the wide receiver coach. Like, there's more that goes into this, and I just don't think we're giving Scott Frost enough credit for that because of all the issues that he's had on the field and all the issues in the win-loss column, which everyone is sick and tired of, recruiting hasn't dropped a bit. You still are going to have a top 25 recruiting class for the class of 2023 when it's all said and done. When it's all said and done, I don't care how the transfer portal shapes out from here, you're going to have a top 10 transfer portal recruiting class when it's all said and done. And you went 3-9 and nine last season. You were the second worst team in the Big Ten, and you're still able to recruit like that? There's something to be said for that. There is, but you also have to give credit to to the best 3-9 team that we've seen uh, of all time. Uh, I agree. And I'm not completely joking there. I mean, I, it is said in jest to a degree, but my point is more two big noon games, you know, ESPN games at night, um, like the atmosphere and how close Nebraska was, all that stuff um, – did did help. I mean, national TV games matter. Uh, being in the spotlight, being that brand does matter. And that's why I continue to look back at it and say, yes, I mean, the, the closeness and, and how you're going to play and all that stuff factors in. But I think Nebraska, the brand, generally is going to get you a top 30 class. What you can do above and beyond that uh, is, is you know, is where you make your hay. But at the same time, I, I'm not neglecting the fact that this is not a just some standard Nebraska class. This is a difficult situation to recruit in. And therefore you have to give a lot of credit to Coach Frost and 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 especially picking out Mickey Joseph. Getting a You're guy right. that can be um that that helpful in your recruiting uh, rankings in your recruiting rooms. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, sometimes we, uh, we kind of feel like we have to disagree with each other to make it interesting. I don't think we do. We're not disagreeing at all here. Um, maybe see it through a, a slightly different lens. Um, but both of us are rather impressed with what they're doing on the recruiting trail. Uh, and especially getting this many guys early on. Cause you, you think it's, it's not going to be probably that big of a class uh, considering the transfer portal right. room and all that stuff. And there's just not a whole lot of Seniors that are walking away. Uh, I've heard there's going to be three or four more guys entering the class, maybe uh, from from this kind of this freshman room, um, and we'll see how they can they can kind of land it out. But uh, I, I I personally just for fun kind of like to have a few open spots going into the final days of signing day, uh, and we'll see if they're able to do some stuff there. And, and it all is just evolving and changes with with roster spots these days. Um, so we I don't know what the total number will be. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a decommitment or two along the no, way as you should uh, as the season plays out and different offers happen and different uh, visits are made and all that. Um, but at, I feel a lot better than where Nebraska has been in the past, dis- despite the fact that they've had um, better seasons, obviously, to build off of um, at times in Frost's kind of early tenure. It was like, you know, you're getting like six or seven guys at this point in, in time. They're, they're well stocked. And, and Froff says to Nate, your point is basically Nebraska is killing it everywhere but on the scoreboard where it matters, man, come on. I mean, that is part of my point is that despite your win-loss record in going 1-8 in the Big Ten, 
you're still able to convince these kids to come. And this goes back to my point, and I know a lot of people are sick of it, but you you start by, in the first years of Frost, you were losing big. And then you go down now this past year, you're losing small. And then eventually you would assume or you're going to hope that the shift is then you start winning small. And then you start winning big. I mean, this is a process. Clemson didn't happen overnight. Alabama didn't happen overnight. And I know the fans are frustrated because this is Nebraska. But listen, we've had this discussion so many times. The frustration and the problem with Bo Pelini is that you showed up for a big game and you've said it, Bach. This was when you were in school and when you were following Nebraska probably as close as anybody. You went into a big game and you didn't even think there was hope. It was, oh, great. How much are we going to lose by? Say what you will about Scott Frost. Say what you will about the 3-9 and nine record. You went into every single game thinking you had a chance. Did it end up going how you wanted it to on the scoreboard? No. But give it a chance because eventually those games that you're losing small, you're going to start winning small. And then you build off that. And if it doesn't work out and I'm wrong, that's when you move on. That's fine. But this year, when you start winning some of those games small – and you start building off, off that momentum, then we can get a little excited. We can get a little juiced. The recruiting's still there. The coaching staff is still there. You're starting to win some of these games. Like, let's not let's not just throw away the fact that Scott Frost went into a game against Michigan who made the college football playoff, and if it wasn't for a late Adrian Martinez fumble, yes, other things could have gone differently, they lost by three. And there was excitement. There was a light show at the end of the third quarter. Fans were losing their minds. That pumped it up was the a, Michigan team. It was a, sure. It was a primetime game. Yeah. And Nebraska, in prime time, was in a position to win. Is it frustrating that they didn't? Of course. I'm not saying it's not. And it's going to be frustrating because guess what, Nebraska fans? It's going to happen again this year. It's going to happen. But let's build off of some of this. Like it, It's there. The, the blueprint is there. And I just think we need to have a little bit – this recruiting class, the way it's shaping up, and especially when you get um, Malachi Coleman, because it, it looks like all indications, the crystal balls are showing he's going to come to Nebraska, this is something to be excited about. Despite going 3-9, and nine, kids want to come to Nebraska. Yeah, they but do. I, I don't know if I would be as heavily on like the five-year build as you are uh, for a few reasons. The – the losing in close games completely took over the narrative last season as well. You're it right. Should. You're right. But it wasn't a wasn't a surprise, and it wasn't something new. Like Frost's record in one score games was a very uh, heavily talked about topic all off season going into last year and the previous year. He just you know it, you know so there was a few games where Frost would get blown out in his for in his early years, right? But not many. Like they lost a lot of close games. They did, and I I think the other part about it, a lot of it was just kind of like to me, a lot of it's been when you lose a lot of close games, I can pick out a coaching mistake here and there in those I could games. Too. That kind I'm of right there with maybe you. could turn the switch right there with that's you. That's where the, the tough part is. And then the other thing is like this building and five year rebuild and all that stuff. He's on his third offensive coordinator. There's a lot of change You're this right. year. You're right. So it's a lot different than like, hey, uh, you know, they're just moving up that ladder and slowly getting there. And then, you know, one of these years it's going to break out. They, to me, this is a completely different look, and, and it, it's it's a it's a bit of a hail mary uh, to to save Frost's job. It is, um, but you know, it might turn out. I, the one thing you do say, and you haven't said it here, but I, I think on the maybe in the previous show, or maybe in the break, is 
Um, there's something to Scott Frost. You don't go undefeated in major college football, and I don't care if it's at the Power Five level or whatever, without somewhat knowing what without you're doing. Without being a good some coach. Potential, being you were a competent. good coach. Right. Um, it just ha- you know, it, it's not going to work everywhere, and that's that's the case for a lot of coaches. A lot of you know, we talk about first time NFL coaches that fail and then get rehired. There's different spots, different stuff that just doesn't work out. And sometimes we like to just paint one guy as a genius and one guy as an idiot. When I think if you had a, a football conversation with them, I mean, they could ha- they could hold the same sort of conversation for right. like three hours. I mean, it's so you know, a lot of it just comes down to the play on the field and how things are executed and all that stuff. And and yeah, it adds up over time. Um, and and that's that's where Frost is. He's lost the benefit of the doubt in this current spot. Um, if it doesn't work out at Nebraska, I don't think Scott Frost is done, and he's going to start, no. uh, you know, just retire. I think he's going to get more coaching jobs. I think he's going to get an opportunity uh, to redeem himself. Um, so, you know, I, I I I have some faith that this could work out, but I, we do see it a little bit differently as this like five year plan where things we do. are finally hitting and and going to get going. If if things work out this year. I don't know if I'd give Scott Frost more credit or Trev Alberts more credit for scrapping the whole thing and getting something else in here that could that could build. I think it would be collectively because, again, like I've said, too, it, the same with the players goes with the coaching staff, too. If Mark Whipple and Mickey Joseph had no faith in Scott Frost, guess what? They wouldn't come here because their job is on the line at some point, right? It is. And then Crowbait makes a good point. People always cry about progress. Last year wasn't progress. Maybe not win-loss, but I, I would say there is some type of progress. There are things you need to build on and things you need to work on, of course. You're going to have that in any season. But you're, I mean, and I hate you, you hate the word close, but there's something to be said for that, right? Bo Pelini wasn't even close. At least you're close. He was you're close. competitive. Bo Pelini, you can say you're not close in big games. He was close to win, winning division titles. But he you did win division going titles. Going into games Close against Ohio State in Iowa, guess what? You knew they were going to get blown out. By year seven, yeah. But, I mean, they gave him the time. That You're in year five here, and I don't know if you're – I mean, say what you will about Bo Pelini. His tenure at Nebraska has gone a thousand times better than Scott you're right. Frost. So you're far. right. So that's, that's kind of where we're at there. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will preview Penn State as we're counting down to Big Ten Media Day's here in just a few weeks. So we'll get you ready for all the teams today. It is Penn State. James Franklin, not as hot of a commodity as he used to be. We'll talk about that coming up next year on the block on 90. Or actually, this isn't on the block. This is the Ticket Water Cooler on 93.7 The Ticket. Jake Fox. 